Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Touching Greatness. I'm Alan J. Santos, and today I'm talking with Lynette Ritchie. Lynette is a world-class powerlifter. She's a multiple-time world champion. She holds multiple world records and national records in the US Powerlifting Association and other lifting federations. She's ranked the number one super heavyweight female powerlifter in the world in the 55 to 60 year old age bracket. Her personal bests to date are a 248 pound bench press, a 430 pound back squat, and a 495 pound deadlift. All of this, and she didn't begin her powerlifting journey until she was 50 years old. She recently retired from her long and successful career at State Farm. And with her husband, Tim, they've traded brick and mortar for an RV, the open road, travel, and adventure. Now Lynette trains, shares her experiences, encourages everyone she can to dream big, say yes, know themselves, be persistent, train their discipline, and take on perceived impossible challenges, then crush them one after another. I met Lynette a few years ago during a deadlift clinic she was teaching. I was impressed by her depth of knowledge and the simple metaphor she used to convey technical principles. I appreciated her orientation towards quality and precision of technique. She shared bits and pieces of her story, each containing a powerful principle that had an incredible way of unlocking potential in me that benefited my movement practice and my lifting and also every other area of my life. She inspired me in so many ways that day, and I learned so much from her that I was so excited that she said yes to being in conversation on Touching Greatness. Today, we talk about a life of living yes, the journey being the destination, giving up excuses, we talk about discipline, building systems to execute, knowing your failure points, accessing potential, the calling to be the very best version of ourselves, and why love matters. Please enjoy this conversation with the powerful, inspiring, and curious Lynette Ritchie. Lynette, welcome to Touching Greatness. I've been so excited to uh, be in conversation with you for a long time. Um, I learned so much from the deadlift clinic where I met you, and... Yeah, this is just a joy to be here with you. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for inviting me. I'm going to start with a passage from the book, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. The passage is called Resistance is Insidious. Resistance will tell you anything to keep you from doing your work. It will perjure, fabricate, falsify seduce, bully, cajole. Resistance is protean. It will assume any form if that's what it takes to deceive you. It will reason with you like a lawyer or jam a nine millimeter in your face like a stick-up man. Resistance has no conscience. It will pledge anything to get a deal, then double-cross you as soon as your back is turned. If you take resistance at its word, you deserve everything you get. 
Resistance is always lying and always full of shit. I chose this specifically for you because of the particular journey you've had with becoming a world champion athlete, really. And before we dive into a little bit of how that came about, can you just give us a, a, a little bit of an overview of some of the accomplishments that you've had as a power lifter? Maybe some, start with some of your personal records and, and some of the championships that you've won. I'd love to hear about that. Well, I think the number one accomplishment was accepting an invite to get on a platform. Mm. And it was extended from my coach and a 70 year old woman by the name of Sandy. And she was going to be powerlifting and deadlifting. And she invited me to participate. And how do you say no to that? Mm -hmm. So I, I said, yes. And the scariest thing that happened at that very first meet was in the very first lift, I had no idea that when they say squat, when you're removing the bar loaded out of the rack and step back, you make eye contact when you're ready. And I looked at the judge and he said squat because he thought I was ready. I wasn't. And I thought I had to instantly drop. I lost my balance. So I came back out of the hole, but re-racking it was a wreck. And I nearly took out that head judge. Oh. <laughs> so I had to uh, calm down and get my faculties all back together and go for it again. Cause your first lift, you know, that's the first one. And, Usually the butterflies can be somewhat squashed after that. And I think I just opened a box of butterflies because that poor guy in front of me, and we're still friends today. His name is Jim and he's an international judge and I'm a national judge and work with him sometimes, mm. but it's such a pleasure. And so when you ask what some of my accomplishments were, mainly one is saying yes. Um, the other big accomplishment was we'd been overweight most of our adult lives, my husband, Tim, and I. And when we got to the state of Washington in our careers, he wanted to spend more time together. That's his love language, if you will, mm -hmm. his time. And he suggested we go to the gym together. And so I said, yes. And we went to the gym and started working out, but I never fixed the eating portion. So we were extremely overweight, mm -hmm. but then our jobs moved us about eight years, seven, eight years later into a state of Illinois. And as you may be aware, the winters are pretty awful. Yeah. So we wanted to continue our training and we had to find a new um, coach and she was scary to me. We ended up with a girl by the name of Christy. Her new last name is Vaccaro, and she's out of Vegas now, but saying yes to her. But I made a lot of excuses, things I would and wouldn't do. And I would say, when she'd say it's jumping jacks, I would say, no, sorry, I wore the wrong bra. I'm not doing that. And she was equally intimidated by that as well, by me. 
and she didn't make me do stuff. But the thing that she did for us that was absolutely life-changing and we said yes to that we would try was food prepping. Mm. And so I think my big accomplishments when you talk about this is being able to face fearful situations and say yes, because we did what she said. Tim dropped a hundred pounds. I dropped probably 50 or so, and we've kept it off now all these years. And that was back in 2013. So 13, I think, I don't know at that point, I think we were married 30 years. So I kind of think of my anniversary ish. So anyway, but saying yes, and the yeses, um, And one more yes that was incredibly scary that I would put as my biggest accomplishment is when she had to leave, she was aligning us with a new coach. Mm. And Mm -hmm. we didn't know for sure whether we wanted to work with him or not. So we went to an interview and we listened to another coach while he was interviewing Mm -hmm. us just give another lady there who is making a lot of excuses and having a really bad attitude, not doing her work, not eating what she should get just reamed by her coach. Mm -hmm. Essentially you can come, but you can't sour the place with your attitude. You don't do what we ask. You don't eat what we ask. You're certainly not going to get results. And then at the same time, this other dude walked in just to grab something out of the fridge and he was like a six foot four. um, Oh gosh. Captain America. He was ripped (laughs) and jacked and huge, no shirt on. And I am just elbowing my husband, Tim in the ribs saying, Oh my God, this is a real gym. I think we're screwed here. (laughs) I don't know. And as fearful as I was at that moment, I said, yes. And then um, that's the coach. His name is Zach Turner, and he still writes all my programming because I would take out the stuff I don't want to do if I was writing my own programming. We would probably do nothing, but I don't even know what we would do. It depends on the day, I guess. But yeah, he noticed I liked lifting heavy and then just all of that. So I think my biggest accomplishments are yes. And the second thing was the very first time I tried to get out of something, I listened to this lady complain and make excuses. And I decided at that moment, I was 49 years old. What if, just what if I don't make another excuse? What if I just do what I'm asked to do and see what happens? Zach noticed that I love picking up heavy things. And so he was different in the sense that not only did I meet with him three days a week, but he also um, wrote out the other seven day, uh, other four days of the week that, of what I would do with him or at the gym. Uh-huh. And he asked me such difficult things to do that I was afraid if I didn't do the other four days of work, oh, that I wow. would miss a step Yeah, that I would not be prepared. Yeah. About probably two or three weeks into the training, I asked, he was making me push a sled or something. And I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired. It hurts. I'm like, I kept making excuses. And I said, and he was not budging. I'm like, what is going to get me out of this? And he said, just fucking do it. Okay. So I did it and it's over in no time, but 
and it hurts, but okay. So I did it. So that was the other biggest accomplishment was just simply eliminating excuses and executing. The other stuff, the big lifts and the places I've been, those are a lot of people focus on them and say that was the big win. It wasn't. It was for me, the consistency in diet and nutrition, because for me, it was about health and eliminating excuses to see what would happen. And when I did that, results started coming. So you asked some of my biggest lifts in knee wraps. I think it was maybe 430 squat. Yeah. My best bench was maybe, two, I think it was 248 at a, at um, a meet, maybe 250 in a gym. Yeah. And uh, my biggest deadlifts on record are probably 495, 485. I don't know, somewhere in there. Oh, just, and the goal was just always, shy of 500. Well, the goal was always 500. Yeah. And from a rack, you know, practicing, I got over mm-hmm. five one time. Mm-hmm. But I think partly somewhere it was in my head that uh-huh. because when we were deadlifting and I passed the 400 mark, it was also in my head. Uh-huh. It just was a hard one to pass. Yeah. But the wins, like I said, they aren't. I mean, I did get to go to Russia and compete and we won there and I did get invited to the Arnold's to the 21 deadlift salute in Ohio. And we came in second there. We, we went long on a stretch uh, to win that one because the girl, so I was always the last one because I was always picking up the most, but the girl two behind me was a, what do you call them? Oh, strongman competitor. Okay. And she put in some crazy lift of five, seven, five Oh seven. And the girl that was just behind me from Poland, she had put in a conservative, I don't know, four ninety five. I had just pulled four ninety four or something like that. Anyway, Poland got hers. The, the strongman didn't. And I had put in, or Zach had put in for me, 508, 509, somewhere in there. And I could not lock it out. Mm. Yeah. And the thing that really bums me out and I've learned since and have executed on since is that we can persist another 15 seconds. And after that, and when I learned that, I start counting when I'm stuck or stuck in the hole and I don't quit until I get to 15. And yeah. guess what? You never really get to 15 unless it was an extreme, extreme overreach on what you could do. Yeah. But if it's in your wheelhouse, right. If you're at the I'm end. out of the hole within 15 or yeah. I'm way out of the hole by five. Yeah. Six seconds. Yeah. So, I love that. I remember you teaching us that at the clinic and I mean, that clinic was so incredible for me. You gave us this technical foundation. And I w- we weren't even trying for PRs. We were just drilling technique, really. And uh, just drilling technique, I had already um, met my previous PR. And I knew I had so much more left in the tank. But one of the things you talked about was the thing you were just speaking about was... Um, getting to a sticking point and 
just staying with it, not mm -hmm. letting your mind say anything about it. And mm -hmm. let, like having that conversation with your mind and letting it know that, hey, we've got 15 more seconds here. Just mm -hmm. hang in there. Mm -hmm. And I started, I took that and I started to really realize how much I was, I was letting my mind dictate my body when I was working out. But mm -hmm. I also saw it in so many other places in life, really. Like in my business, uh, a little while after that, I felt like I was stuck someplace. And rather than trying to do anything more or harder, or trying to implement anything, I just stayed consistent with the things I was doing. And like nothing else, just stayed with that tension of feeling stuck, stayed with the things I was doing, not trying to do anything less, not trying to do anything more. And eventually that consistency and that just staying with it gave way. And there was like this beautiful blossoming of, of mm -hmm. my business. So, yeah, I think that's a really important thing for people to understand. Um, and yeah. I think at the heart of it, a lot of what you're talking about is um, letting your, like having a way to just bypass all the shit in the, your head that your mind is telling you, you can't do the excuses part of it, all of those. And like, I love what you're talking about too, is like having a system or a, an environment, a team of support that helps you get out of your mind as well. Mm -hmm. um, the other part I'm realizing about your journey is, I mean, there, there are so many, I get it, like the accomplishments, the medals and the trophies and the traveling and the invitations to world-class events, all of that is really, I, I think it's a lot of fun. And it is mm -hmm. something to hold up and say, wow, I did this. But it also, for, for me, the sense I'm getting is this whole journey is not so much about those goals, but it's about a larger picture. Mm -hmm. um, sounds like just being healthy at the end of your life is one of those pieces. Is there something more to the bigger picture of why you're so invested in saying yes to um, your health, yes to uh, all these things, all these fears that you had to get over to, to become the athlete you are now? It's funny. When yeah. you call me an athlete, I still don't even consider myself that all the very often. Um, <laughs> I guess the thing I'm seeing is goals have helped you on your journey. Yes. It doesn't seem like the accomplishments, like the winning of a championship the uh, invitation to a, a world-class event. It seems like those are important to you, but those aren't the real goal. They're really not. Um, they were the goals to get there. I wanted yeah. to be invited to the Arnold's. I wanted to go to Russia and be um, an elite level lifter. But, and I, I guess I wanted the medals, but I think it was more important for me. Once you get there, it's these meets, it's incredible. Once you get there, it's maybe six or eight hours. And I try to be present the whole time. I'm super intense, mm -hmm. but it's over in a flash. 
you know, and there's some pictures posted and people say, oh, that was great. And I appreciate that. But I valued um, the work to get there as much. In my career, a lot of, and I think it's true in most of life, we're judged subjectively. Mm-hmm. Did you execute this? Um, one of the things I uh, run into a lot is, well, you're very intense looking and unapproachable. And so that would be always considered in a review, whether it was employment or whatever else. And mm. what got me about lifting and about the weight room, it was objective. You lifted the weight or you didn't. Period. You showed up and did the work or you didn't. Period. And it removed the other voices from the equation and it began building my confidence. And I don't think the confidence came from what I lifted on the platform. I think the confidence came as I kept promises to myself. Yeah. I was going to show up. I was not going to make an excuse. And I wasn't necessarily working for anybody in particular other than myself. Mm-hmm. And so getting there was good. And I'm so happy because it actually gave me a voice, you know, to, to let other people know that you could be, I'm 58, you know, just because you turned 50 and Tim who lifts and is a power lifter too, he's 66. Life isn't over. And a couple of things have also happened where I've had a couple of major surgeries. I had an artery in my leg, bypassed in one leg and the other one I had to have some tendons and stuff cut to open up the passage for the uh, popliteal artery that takes blood to your feet. In 10 months, I was back to 95%. I pulled 485, I think, at the meet 10 months after that. And curiously enough, when I was interviewing the physical therapist about doing the follow-up, You know, the surgeon out of Cleveland was working with me. So I was commuting to Cleveland to get these surgeries and follow-ups. And I found a a former collegiate football um, player who was now a physical therapist. And through referrals, and my only thing to him was, is do not let me make excuses. I know I'm not going to want to do this. I know it's Mm going to hurt, but I want to be back to where I was. Mm -hmm. And that I think is a bigger part of the story. That's better than any medal is being able to get back and squat and bench and deadlift after these major injuries. And the surgeon never let us pull over 225 pounds the whole time for those 10 months. It wasn't till six days before the meet. He finally said, you're clear, lift all you want. have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I valued him because he was just so honest and transparent. He's like, Lynette, I'm telling you, I'm a real chicken shit here. I have no idea what to expect. We've never done a lifter. All we've done is endurance athletes and it works, but you're different, you know? So there were some risks. You could blow it, you know, possibly or whatever. So between my coach, the surgeon and the physical therapist who are all you know, working together through me and the information I had, not being able to lift more than 225, they put it all on one leg. 
So I would do one leg at a time. Okay, you can't do 225. We're going to do single legs. So when we put it all back together, it worked. Yeah. But I was willing to do the work. And that voice in my head said something could go wrong. But I trusted the surgeon. I mean, he had incredible success. I trusted the physical therapist and I trusted my coach. And then I could quiet the voices in my head that said, you can't do this, the resistance. Mm -hmm. I can't do it because it's hard or I can't do it because I'm going to lose a limb. Mm -hmm. What? I didn't listen. I just said, these guys are professionals. They know what they're doing. They wouldn't ask you to do it if it was going to harm you. Just execute. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. Um, Tim, Tim, same thing. Sorry to interrupt, but he no had his appendix rupture. Uh-huh. And within a week, we were flying and on a plane again. And he only stayed overnight because the surgeon's like, I don't know your age. We should look at you. And then he was released in a week to go back to do it. I mean, when you choose the diet we've chosen, which is, you know, if it wasn't produced in 1900s, we don't need it. Yeah. As a rule. I mean, I still miss a little sugar now and again. God, I could <laughs> eat a bowl of sugared cereal anytime, yeah. but I choose not to. Yeah. Um, and when you apply a little pressure to your life with exercise, it's remarkable what your body does for you. Yeah. Um, gosh, there's so there's so much that's just inspiring to me here. Um, this really feels, it, it, it's this beautiful thing of not being attached to the goals, the accomplishments, because there's a drive, there's, there's a internal drive. It's not externalized. Who you are isn't made up by what you uh, accomplish in the way of medals and, and, world records and all that stuff. It's more a um, reference point to see how true you are being to yourself and how much you can trust yourself. And I find that your ability to do both is one of the incredible things. And it's no wonder, uh, like, yeah, just to be world-class and to be having this internal journey of being your best, it's inspiring to me. Like when you started this journey, and I think I should let people know that you started this journey when you were 50, which I, mm-hmm. which is another um, incredible thing. And one of the, the messages you have for people is like, it's never too late. It's never too late. Stop making the excuse that it's too late. So just get on with it. Take the first step. Mm-hmm. Um, when you started and you started competing And all of a sudden there was some glimpse of like, Hey, I think I could do this. I'd like to see if I could become number one beyond that. Did you have some sort of image or vision of what the best Lynette looked like, or is that a constant evolution and exploration? It's a constant evolution. I don't even know that I've reached my best Lynette Our bodies with some discipline um, everybody thinks discipline is this trait you have. It's not, it's something that you build. It's just keeping those promises to yourself to show up every day. And, um, so no, I, 
I, it was more of, I don't know, what if? And uh-huh. I'll just take this really serious. And I set these goals about I wanted to, I mean, as I started lifting more, I would set milestones of what I wanted to lift. But it just, it was empowering. And, mm-hmm. you know, tattooed on my back are the numbers I've hit. Mm. But I always want them to be in the background. Mm. I don't want them to be prominent because, okay, so you got there. That's just a stepping stone to what you can achieve. So mm. do more. Yeah. Do more. Do more. I, it, and it was something fun. I enjoyed. If yeah. you, you know, I can't dance to save my life. In fact, Tim and I have been picked out of dancing school. So, you know, yeah, we had no rhythm. We got kicked out of two-step, if you can believe that. Anyway, but we kept trying stuff. He wanted to spend time together lifting. It was fun. And we just kept trying stuff until we found what we enjoyed. And if you enjoy it, even if the work is hard, you can do it. Yeah. You just... Yeah. Uh, the thing that I think was mo- has been most difficult about, I want other people that are in their 50s or older to know you can do this. You're going to heal faster from the things that are unpreventable, but this prepares you to recover, right? Mm-hmm. But when you saw me, I was a little heavier than I am now, and you don't get much of a voice. You influence other people. And I'm telling you, there are women out there that are so much stronger than me. If we were to look at their dot score or um, their, uh, their scores, their body weight relative to what they picked up, mm-hmm. they outscore me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted people to know that you could, you could have this physical fitness and enjoy a healthy life, but I didn't have the street cred because I just look like another thick old lady. You know, I mean, I was solid. Um, I could pick up a, a bunch of weight. But to look at me, you didn't know that unless you were at the gym with me. Right. So I've so been like trying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like your your marketing image, uh, like the uh, the the tight body, you know, perfect abs, that kind of thing. You're saying. Um, didn't because of that, like your voice, you had to find a different way into connecting with people. Is that what I'm hearing? I'm still trying because I just don't think the message gets out there. So I've been trying to look the part of fit. So in our journey, in my journey, I have been dropping a ton of weight. There's no way I'll ever pull those kinds of numbers again, Mm -hmm. but it was part of the journey. I mean, I'll pull big because yeah. I'm just big and strong. But um, <laughs> now people, when they see me, like we're camping all the time, as you know, we RV across the country all the time in our motorhome. When we'll be at a campfire, they'll be doing something or making something or drinking something. Oh, we can tell you don't eat this, do you? So I'm like, what gave you that idea? Well, you look fit. Yeah, you're right. I don't. <laughs> but thanks. So that's what I've been trying to do to broaden Uh, the message and powerlifting got me there because I enjoyed lifting and I still enjoy lifting and we do four days a week, but we've added an element. And my next, um, my next goals are how far can I hike? How fast can I hike? How Mm -hmm. high can I get? Can I scramble over these rocks? 
Cool. You know, I have some disappointing hikes that we started late. We got lost and I didn't finish a big ass climb in the Shenandoah National Park. Big regret. I want to go someday and finish that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, uh... I don't know if I answered your question. I think it was a long way around of, and I missed the question. Sorry. No, this is all good. This is all good. Um, I want to come back to the surgery actually. Okay. Um, Cause he said it took 10 months from the time of the surgery to you being back in 95%. Now I'm wondering, cause that's a place where, you know, there could be some thoughts of like, okay, I, I'm not exactly sure what the surgery was, but like that could be a place where it's like, okay, well, maybe it's time for me to start winding down my, my competitive career. Maybe it's time for me to like find something else. Well, maybe that I gave it my go and maybe I choose something else. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that line, but the, what you've chosen for yourself is, is to remain dedicated to it. Um, it sounds like you surrounded yourself with people you trusted again. And you, you certainly had that vision of, I just want to see, I want to see if I can still do this and where I can end up. But at the same time, I'm just trying to picture myself in that position. And even with the saying, yes, I imagine that I would still have a bunch of fears and a bunch of stuff going on in my head. I'm wondering if that was true for you as well. Like what was your mindset at that time? My mindset, my I will tell you my comeback meet. Uh-huh. I was uh, 55. It was my favorite meet of all time. Hmm. Was I 55? 50? 50? 55 to 60? I was setting. I think I must have been 50. It was in. I must have been 55 or 56. Mm-hmm. It was my favorite meet of all time because I had zero expectations. Mm-hmm. Of myself. I had no idea what was going to happen. Yeah. Right. I just trusted the process. And, oh, I remember what I was going to tell you. A lot of people and why the techniques I taught you at deadlift work is because a lot of the big power lifters that you see lift on aggression. Mm-hmm. They can get so angry and they just walk out and you see them grab the bar and jolt it really hard. And they just pick up out of pure adrenaline. I don't have that in me. I don't. Yeah. I'm not an angry person. I look intense. I look very serious. So when you're my age and you don't have that aggressive side, you have to go on technique exclusively and you have to trust that your body and as you have trained it will execute. And that was my favorite meaningful time because I relied hundred percent on technique. I had not been pulling big weights. I mean, nothing. I hadn't squatted big weights. I just did, you know, a ton of reps, a yeah. lot, a lot, a lot, and a lot of single leg stuff. But back to your question, I will tell you a story during PT that still cracks me up. You know, you're in a PT area with other people that have had some setbacks or surgeries and they're doing physical therapy and they're getting massages and they're getting stretches. And I'm not discounting any of that. I think there was a lot of value and I was down there because this 
PT place also had a gym attached where the people on those beds could overlook what was going down on that floor. And they saw me doing some of the stuff with these big bandages and this big scar. It runs from groin down to almost my ankle. I will break at my knee. Um, and they're like, oh, my God, what did you do? And what, you know, or, you know, does that hurt? And I'm like, yeah, I would much rather be on that bed with you getting a massage than doing this. <laughs> I would. Mm-hmm. But in my head, the surgeon said I was capable of a comeback. The physical therapist said I was. So why would I choose easy? Easy got me to 160 260 pounds of just 48% body fat. Picking the easy road never got me anything that I loved and that I was passionate and felt proud of. I felt like a slug. I felt average Mm -hmm. and I really wanted to be an outlier. And so just doing that work did that. I just, I don't, I mean, there's nothing wrong with average, I guess, but average happened to me because I didn't say yes or take risks Mm, and I didn't, I wasn't willing to go through the pain to get anywhere. Right. So average for you still it didn't feel like I'm putting words in your mouth, but the, the sense I'm getting is average for you didn't feel great because there was so much life still wanting to be lived in you. Yeah. And you know, the other thing I took on was I like novels. Don't get me wrong. I read a lot, probably uh-huh. 30 something books a year. Mm-hmm. And I love a good novel. Yeah. But what I love most are these heroic stories of people that win against the odds. Yeah. And it's not, I think there's a trend right now where we, we, we have to be victims of something in order to have this big story and it's self-imposed victimhood. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's, you know, I, I don't not, I don't want to, rain on anybody's parade but they just you know they talk about oh i've overcome but when you listen to what they say they've overcome it was not an external um it wasn't it was self-imposed yeah does that make sense and like for instance one of my favorite books and people can judge me critically for it because um it's got strong language in it. A lot of people can't read it is David Goggins. You can't hurt me. Yeah. I must've read that thing six times now. And in fact, I still, sometimes I will be on a stairmaster or I think I can't do another step mm-hmm. and I will flip to the chapter in his book that um, will motivate me. You know, you yeah. just keep going. And mm-hmm. I just, and um, Cam, I think it's Cameron Haynes. He's a ultra marathoner, uh, finished his. He's a bow hunter out of Oregon, really good book. Um, but it's that kind of story, Jocko, you yeah. know, that they're talking about your body can endure, which I've proven now it can to myself. Mm-hmm. Um it's discipline and you have to exercise discipline to have discipline. Mm -hmm. 
it's not just the, everybody says you're so lucky you're disciplined I'm not lucky i exercised it it's a muscle yeah, yeah. um and it's a, it's like funny... resistance mm-hmm. it'll fight you yeah 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 the di- whole discipline thing is a funny thing to me i mean people uh look might look at me and say wow you're so disciplined and if I sort of look at myself objectively, I can see, oh, I've got, I've really got a system in place here. I do what I say. I do this every day. I'm, I say no to these things so that the thing I really want to do is front and center. But for me, I never thought, well, I guess there are times I think of it as discipline, but it's, it's really just the thing I, I want to be doing. It's like the thing I love to be doing. So it never feels like I'm actually, uh, having to create discipline. It's just a natural byproduct of doing the thing I love in the way that I love to do it. So maybe that's where we're different because yeah. I have to exercise it. Yeah. I can't honestly tell you that there's a day I, I get up and say, I cannot wait to go to the gym and get the shit beat out of me. <laughs> um, I can't tell you how many nights I would love to sit down, mm. turn on Jeopardy, and do a line of Oreos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't anymore, right? I've never heard it's, it described as a line of Oreos. It's hilarious. <laughs> but, you know, I... Yeah. You have to exercise saying no for the greater good. And here's what actually happens. And I posted on a friend's site the other day and I don't think I phrased it well because it just didn't set with people well, but it was like, okay, since learning to do this food prep, we've lost all this weight. Right. And after 10 years of consistency, here's, here's the 2013 picture. Here's exactly one year ago today. And I was a little bit heavier, not a lot. And then here's today. And both of them were up against a rock. We were out climbing. Uh Uh-huh. But then what I said was, here's what's occurred in the year. We've been 12,000 miles. I've been to the gym. I've been to 36 different gyms to be able to do this going across the country. I've, you know, walked this many miles or done this many. And you don't really know the 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 total sum of all these choices. Yes, I'm going to go to the gym today. Yes, I'm going to walk this mile today. And what that adds up to in the end. I mean, yes, I food prepped 52 weeks this year. Wow. Yeah. But we do it together yeah. mm-hmm. every Sunday or whatever day. Tomorrow yeah. it'll have to be today or tomorrow. But you know what I mean? It's just like so you, it's you a find culmination a way to, of discipline. discipline. Yeah. yeah. And it sounds like you find a way to make it. Fun. You do it together. You find ways to 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 bring something fun or connecting into into that. It's not sexy ever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's mundane. It's routine. And food used to be a friend or um, entertainment. It's mm-hmm. not. It's fuel. Mm. When I transitioned from an addiction to food, and the pleasure, food still brings pleasure. But I go mm-hmm. out maybe once a week. Mm-hmm. And it's got to be something, I got to eat something that I wouldn't make for myself. Yeah. No, I just do it because what I like is how good I feel. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, there's no, yeah, it's not. Everybody thinks it's some sexy, glorious something. It's like, or it's fun. It's, it loses its appeal. <laughs> you know, I eat the same thing every day for six days in a row, seven days in a row. And everybody says, I could never do that. I'm like, right, you can't because you choose not to. You choose not to do that. These yeah. are choices. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, um, it is a choice. And I think sometimes we offload that and don't really uh, take full ownership of, of our choices or take full responsibility for ourselves. And that's one of the things that I hear you. It seems like that's one of the ways you really just orient your life. What do I want? I'm going to be responsible for it. And in doing that, it starts to build trust in yourself. Sounds like you surrounded yourself by people you trust to help you <laughs> in those, in those weak spots where you like want to give up or give in to the thing. I, it reminds me, I was reading through some of your stuff. I don't know if it's your quote or from somewhere else, but um, your weakest reason must be greater than your strongest excuse. Mm -hmm. That's somebody I, else's. I don't remember who. Yeah. I think it was so, I've never heard that. And I thought it was so brilliant. So yeah, brilliant. it was somebody else's, but I also am. So my career at the end of my working was data analytics, mm -hmm. data analyst. And I think one of the things that I've done well is to think through mm -hmm. fail points. Mm. When we get here, if this is what I want, what is it I'm going to do to go to not break at that point? So yeah. the day I don't want to show up to the gym, make sure that there's somebody who lifts bigger than you is around. <laughs> the day that um, I don't want to eat healthy, make sure that, you know, there's really no bad choices in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, things a, like that. Yeah. I think that's a, uh, an important and overlooked, really. I feel like when we set things for ourselves, it's sort of easy to find what we should be doing or like the, the things that are, will help us get there. But oftentimes by taking a look at the stuff you're talking about, because we know, we just don't want to take a look at it a lot of times. It's like, we know how we're going to detour, sidetrack ourselves from the thing that we want. It's like, yeah, it's clearly, it's like, if I, <laughs> like having too many glasses of wine at night, mm -hmm. that's easy. Just get the wine out of the house. Don't. Don't buy any more wine. Like understanding the failure points, I think is a brilliant way to, and subtracting those so that there's no way of bringing those in. I think it's a, a powerful way to help you stay on your goal and keep saying yes to the things because you just don't have it a choice if it's not there. You can do that. And then, you know, I mean, I still have things around me that are tempting. Yeah. But it's, but so um, I don't know if you've heard of it. Have you heard of 75 hard? I've had Frizella. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. But go ahead. This is the last day of 105 out of 110 days of doing two a day exercise, um, 
eating clean, no cheating on your diets, um, drinking a gallon of water. Uh, oh, God, I hate this one. Taking a selfie every day. <laughs> um, because you will begin to see progress. And there's, there's a few other things to it. Um, I don't want to live in a cocoon by removing everything. Mm -hmm. I just want the discipline to say, that's a treat. Mm -hmm. And enjoy it as the treat that it is in moderation and move on. Mm -hmm. But I found that before I did this, while we were lifting so heavy all the time, I could have that second glass of wine and maybe it was a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was my one cheat for the day or one cheat for the week. But within, I keep track of the stuff I eat and I have for years. I can look back to my most problem and I think it's the one cheat of the week or whatever. It wasn't, it was too, it was, it was ridiculous. Hmm. And how frequently we allow ourselves these little margins of error and then wonder why we didn't get to the point we wanted. Right. So, you know, yeah, I mean, another strategy, if wine's the problem, just get crap you don't want to drink. Or <laughs> <laughs> store it in a motorhome in the cabinet. And what I didn't know was the air conditioner doesn't run in the cabinets. And so uh -huh. I had a few oh. good bottles that were vinegar. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, you know, I mean, it's just, there's nothing special. It's just choosing what you want, how you want to live. Yeah. And then getting the confidence to do it by keeping the promises to yourself. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And then sometimes it adds up to something like powerlifting meets that are just outstanding. Really, the goal was to show up every day, hit the gym and do what I was supposed to do mm -hmm. without excuse, just execute. Yeah. There's a, um, uh, let me find it. There it is. There's, there's a quote uh, about um, the, af the process after the surgery, just being engaged with that and just trying to see where you would get. There's a quote I wanted to, that I found that you had written that I think is really um, powerful and you're talking about how you're just going to progress that um weren't sure if you get the all clear but you were going to do the training anyway and you mm -hmm. wrote that if i don't get it if i don't get the all clear then then i sorry let me start that over if i don't get it then i don't and i will deal with that disappointment mm -hmm. but what i don't want to deal with is regret Mm -hmm. I think that's so powerful. Because um, when I think about all the excuses I've made in different things, whether they're small or big, or the things that have held me back from whatever I've wanted, or however I've wanted to express myself, those are really the things I regret. Like there was mm -hmm. something in me that I had an opportunity for to bring myself forward in whatever way that was, whether that was with people or just me pursuing something that I really wanted to, but I just didn't for whatever reason. Those are the, those moments that I asked myself, oh, 
there's like a tinge of regret there. Like, oh, what if, what would have happened? And I don't linger on it too long, but I try to be really cognizant of that now. Like, where am I saying, where am I making up a story of what I think is supposed to happen here? And that's stopping me from taking the ne- just the next step even. Yeah. yeah. Regrets are difficult. I mean, mm-hmm. we all have a few. Mm-hmm. I think the power in regret is that if you can be present in the moment of that regret, you know, what if I had made this decision and usually our regrets come from our fears of trying and failure sometimes I think, or rejection. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes what I try to do when that happens to me is be present and kind of marinate, forgive myself, and then say, we're not going to do this again. Mm-hmm. If this, if an opportunity presents itself and I'm saying no because of what I think other people are going to say or what I fear could go wrong, I'm not going to skip it. So what I try and I fail, who the hell cares? Mm-hmm. Nobody. Really, people think people are looking at them all the time. We're so wrapped up in our own lives. We're not looking yeah. at anybody. It's the way and you know what? Honest true. to God, if you're part of average sitting on your ass every day, watching TV, eating unhealthy, talking smack when you don't even try yourself and you're inconsistent, why do I give a shit what you think of me? At the end, who lies in the bed alone? Mm-hmm. You. And all that matters at that moment is what you think about yourself and whether you were proud of what you did. Whether you influence somebody along the way or not doesn't matter. Did you do what you could do, what you wanted to do, what excited you, what thrilled you? Did you? Because in the end, you know, to me, I try to love the best I can. Um, I get it wrong sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, even with my child, I get it wrong sometimes. It's not her, it's not their language. Yeah. And, you know, but you try, um, there's physical activities. I don't think I'm capable of, but you try. Yeah. And, and here's the thing, as I look ahead, I would like to climb X mountain. Mm -hmm. What do I have to do in the gym to be able to accomplish that? I need miles of step ups and stairs because those ledges are huge. I want to pick up X. What do I have to do? I have to get this core strong and do the work. Mm -hmm. I want to look like X. What does that mean? It means I have to say no to these foods so that I can inspire somebody else Mm -hmm. to live their healthiest life. You know, it's funny to me. They, like I told you the other day at the campfire, Oh, you're not going to eat this. And then they launch into their own fitness regime for what they do or what they don't eat. And they're, and the thing they say to me is, I think I could do better. I said, well, maybe if that's what you want, sure you can. So, you know, I mean, if that's, so if you got some, I don't want to be a big influencer. That's not the deal. Right. I, I just mm-hmm. want to live me. And yeah. if I can help somebody along the way, yeah, that'll be awesome. I love what you said. It's just really about being true to yourself and 
having to reckon with yourself at the end of the at the end of the day as you you know lay your head to sleep did i do my best did i live yeah. the way i want to uh, so um i think you're absolutely right on just looking at regret i feel like that's kind of my process too what you described was taking a look at it definitely forgiving but also not not dwelling on it too much and not letting it sort of overtake me, but using it as a springboard to, okay, yeah, let's look forward. I did that. That happened. Mm -hmm. I can't change that. I'm going to take it in. I'm going to forgive myself right now. And looking forward, this is how I can use that to inform Mm -hmm. how I want to relate to myself, how I want to relate to people, how, how to not do that again. I think that's, um, and it sounds like there's so many things. This is this might sound like a total aside. <clears throat> this sounds like there's so many things that you're um, you are aware of. It's like you, you track a lot of different things. <laughs> I love the the thing you were talking about. You've got your um, your PRs on, on your tattooed on your back, so. Uh, and you're also talking about how just cultivating good habits that give you a return of investment over time. They compound over time, right? I'm wondering how you track some of that stuff to, to, to see if you are doing the right thing, because it sounds like there's so, the, the image that comes to my mind is like a croissant, right? If you took just one little layer of a croissant, you wouldn't know it's a croissant, but you keep layering the layers and it's like, wow, I've got a croissant here. It's a kind of a weird metaphor because a lot of what you talk about is like tracking food and stuff. But like when you're doing some of that habit creation, this is what I think is going to get me there. How often do you take a look back? Because like for me, if I am too obsessive about okay, I did it today. Let's see what I did this week. It, it, it kind of like gets a little weird for me. I don't know what it is about that. It becomes more about the numbers than the process. Yeah, I don't, I, I keep track. I uh-huh. will look back. So I think I, when you make, when I, when I make a misstep or I fail, Mm-hmm. I look at it to see what was surrounding it. So when that happens again, I can make a way through it or around it. Some things you can't mow through. You have to mow around. But um, I keep spreadsheets. Um, obviously, you can imagine that my coach and I got very close training. Mm-hmm. You know, we spent a lot of time together. And when we started, he was in his mid-20s maybe and so we kind of grew together I grew to trust him he was growing as a coach and a personal trainer and when we retired and left in October of I think 20 this 22 um, Mm -hmm. he and I were both a little bit melancholy about that sure that makes sense to me. We traveled to, I mean, we traveled all over. We made some huge strides together. I mean, even like we get my body fat measured. I went mm-hmm. from 48% body fat down to 26, 27% wow. body fat. And, um, you know, he, he's like, that's, that's a huge win for any personal trainer. So 
to, how do I track it? I put it on Excel sheets. And do I ever go back and look? Not really, but guess what? Once a week, I have to send him my Excel sheets. Now, hmm. I only send him what my average weight for the week was, what my energy level for the week was. I'm closing my eyes because I'm recalling what's on that. Um, what my uh, focus score between one and 10 was digestion. How's my digestion? Um, energy focus. Oh, and mood, right? I still send him those because that tracks what he's doing to my calories and adjusting and my exercise. And whether I did cardio twice a day or cardio and strength or cardio and yoga, but my yoga sucks. And, um, oh, meditation. Did I meditate? Mm -hmm. um, but under that, because you were asking about discipline, I want to do certain things, right? Yeah. I, um, <laughs> I love clean bathrooms. So <laughs> I stack. I stack. And I learned this from, there's a book out there about discipline habits. It's uh, Atomic Habits. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great book. I love that. And so one of the things is stacking. So when I turn on the shower to warm up, I clean the toilets. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So now it's habit. You go in, you turn on the shower, you clean the toilets, you're getting in the shower anyway, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. I think that most of the world flosses their teeth every day. I maybe once or twice a week, I wanted to be disciplined. I had to stack it in. Mm -hmm. And so on my Excel sheet, the part he doesn't get, did I use, take my medicine like I was supposed to? Did I floss my teeth? Did I clean until it becomes routine? And then it doesn't have to be on that list. But if there's a new something, then I have to put it on. Or if I have this major fail, then I can go back and say, what didn't I mark? Yeah. Because I'm always brutally honest with myself. Yeah. You know, and okay, look what led up to this. So do you want that to happen again or not? So I think part of the problem is, is that when I was living in the middle, I, I think of it as a bell curve, right? With everybody else. I was uh -huh. not intentional. I didn't even pay attention to what I put in my face. We used to treat ourselves in 2010. We'd go work out, right? And we had a group of friends that made working out a lot of fun. And that's really got us into it. And so the gym and personal trainers became a big deal. But it was because of the social network. So we would go to the gym and Tim and I'd be in the car with our kid on the way home and say, we did really good. We deserve a treat. We'd mm. go get freaking blizzards at Dairy Queen, <laughs> right. 1,400 calories. Yeah. You know that 60% of what I eat in a day? I just <laughs> added it to the end. Or, hey, everybody, you want to go get something to eat? And I'd sit and eat the bowl of chips at the Mexican restaurant. You're killing it. And you know what yeah. I mean? And so it was these disciplines. And when I was just doing what everybody was else was doing, and I felt okay about that. Everybody should feel okay about it. Yeah. But there's a lack of awareness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want to be where you are, then you have to intentionally think about where you want to be, what steps you have to take, and you have to keep track. Otherwise, you get to the date that you said you wanted to achieve it by, and you're still nowhere. And you're yeah. scratching your head. It's like, well, I ate clean, except for the two yeah. blizzards this week, right. the bowl of chips. 
the three bottles of wine, right? Yeah. So that's for me how I have to do it is that mm-hmm. I have to keep track. Yeah. If you the... really want to execute, Lynette, put your money where your mouth is. Yeah. It's funny because like the thing you talk about, it's like finding the, the small, finding the things that compound over time that lead you to the, th- to the thing, like just getting the yeah. gym or whatever, you know, doing mm-hmm. this exercise, doing this. It's also the same thing for the, the bad habits, those compound over time as well. And really yeah. being, really being taking a microscope to that stuff and really being aware, am I, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm putting in my face right now. This is mm-hmm. what I'm doing with my time. Mm-hmm. All of those things. Yeah. Yeah. And being resourceful. If you don't like, so, I mean, how do you train with an RV? I mean, you've seen pictures of our motorhome. Yeah. I have a, I have dumbbells. I have fans. I have all kinds of stuff, but you have to be resourceful. Yeah. We train at other gyms all mm-hmm. over the country and you meet nice people or you don't. It's anytime fitness, planet fitness, you know, crunch gyms. Mm-hmm. They're just typical box gyms where yeah. you go and do your thing and leave. Yeah. If there's a will, there's a way. Mm-hmm. And really, you know, I'm not powerlifting. I have not deadlifted or squatted. My one knee is not, it's being a grouch. So <laughs> I can't get past parallel. Mm. So I'm just doing a lot of, but you find a way. Yeah. I still want muscle definition. I still want to be strong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's always a, a way to get creative with your training. There's always a way to get creative with everything. Like everything. Yeah. 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 There's again, I think it's just like, comes back to like a big principle you live by no excuses. Well, mm-hmm. I've got, I'm outside in the middle of nowhere. I'm going to use this fucking rock. <laughs> exactly. You know, whatever it takes. Mm-hmm. There's a funny story. And I think his name is Cameron Haynes. He's the one I was just, let me look at the book's name. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a bow hunter and his book is super inspiring. He's an ultra marathoner. And he, um, he, he, one time he was just talking to somebody about, I'm trying to think of how it went. Something about he thought he could carry the 60 pound rock up a hill and he had underestimated it. And it was, I don't even remember how much a hundred or more pounds he, he carried it up the whole thing because that's what he said he was going to do. Well, I don't have any weight, so I can't do farmer carries or suitcase carries. You got fricking rocks, pick one up and move it up the hill. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a rock that if you want to be the best or, yeah. Find a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm not the best. I mean, I have records last. I don't, I haven't looked in, I don't know, a year, probably. I don't know if I'm still number one on open power lifting or power. Oh yeah. Open power lifting or something. Anyway, where you can filter super heavy weight, 55 to 60 woman mm-hmm. raw. I think I was number one. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I still am, Yeah. but you just, you didn't do it for that. You just, just are doing it to be healthy. And those things happen when you apply a little discipline by accident. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bigger picture for you and you're not, um, 
like you said, being number one is a fleeting moment of time. So being connected yeah, to, it, to, to you and are you true to yourself? That is more the marker for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably. And then obviously surrounding yourself with like-minded people. Yeah. Like this conversation is super inspiring and I would love to hear your story because, you know, here you've accomplished these yoga poses that are just unheard of. And I, I would assume that you, or presume that you all kinds of other accomplishments, musically, et cetera. Mm -hmm. You surround yourself and you're attracted to these people who want to just be the best that they can be. Yeah. Yeah. And when you do that, you're never bored. You're always inspired. You're always learning from the people around you. Uh, we all mm -hmm. have something to teach and we all have something to learn from one another. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, when you are on the path of excellence and being your best, sometimes that's also being the best. Uh, you're really surrounded by people who love to learn, people who have something to offer, people who inspire you, people who you inspire. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. But you know what's the same about all of them? There's no shortcuts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I that's think, what I life think is, I, grit. Yeah. I think my life really took off and the things I, uh, whatever accomplishments I've had, I think I got there a lot quicker once I realized that there were no shortcuts after like searching, like, how do I get there quicker? Do, oh, oh, I just got to put in the work. I got to show mm -hmm. up every day. I got to show up with my full heart and all of the passion I can put into this. I've got to show up when I don't want to be doing it and do my best. Uh, I got to show up. I just got to show up to it. Yeah, today we were hiking along the coast of Maine, and I said to Tim, I'm really admiring these knotted, twisted, bent, messed up trees because they endure the most harshest winters. The high here is 32 in the winter, you know, I mean, oh. and the wind was insane, you know, even now the wind yeah. is crazy, but I admired and it's, and, and there's a few of them sticking up among dead trees or, you know, young trees. And I'm like, those are my favorite. Oh, that kind of makes me think of the people I like to read about and know and ask questions of because they lived gnarly lives and they found a way to grow regardless. Some of them have moss hanging on and I'm like, yeah, everything gets a parasite, it's, you know, <laughs> yeah. or hanger honors or, and then some of them had these roots that were like, we were having to climb over these roots and trip over them. Yeah, we have some things that are shallow and on the surface that make us kind of, you know, who we are. But then there's that taproot. You know that there's this deep taproot into the source yeah. that make them what they are. And so today, that was my analogy for walking. I'm just like, I love these guys. They're just ripped <laughs> yeah yeah maybe that's a good place to transition to what you're doing now with your travels and stuff i'd like to talk a, a bit about that because i find it just a 
I mean, first of all, it's an amazing thing. This just exploration and just the freedom you're living with. So talking about roots, deep tap roots, uh, we might use that as a metaphor for, I'm curious about what some of your maybe three, like if I asked you what your core values are, what would you say to me? Hmm. Honesty, integrity, um, work ethic. I grew up in a Christian household, but I do not agree with most religion anymore. Mm -hmm. I really look at people and how they choose to live. Mm -hmm. um, I think that when you say core values, I believe that there's a higher power and I, um, I expect the best of myself and I expect the best of the world. And um, I guess if you talked about my Christianity, I still believe that Christ existed. There's obvious evidence, but when I think about um, maybe the Bible or anything else, I think I will read what's in red and leave the rest. I, I just, you know, too many people have made it fit their agenda, if yeah. you will. Yeah. And there's historical evidence of that. Um, how we twist as a, as a human race, we twist stuff. Yeah. I just believe that there's a deity, you know, and, but I just finished the boy book of joy by the Dalai Lama and mm -hmm. uh, Desmond Tutu. Oh, yep. Mm -hmm. Oh, one of my favorites. Isn't that what life is about? It's about joy and about joy. just being the best of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So core value. That's what I would say. I mean, I don't even, I don't think I can put my finger on it. Yeah. That's awesome. We're called to be our best version of ourselves. <laughs> and that includes loving kindness everybody and i just choose to expect the best from the universe and guess what it delivers all yeah. the time yeah yeah i would i would think so that's kind of how it works it's like well if you don't expect <laughs> the best how can you ever get the best <laughs> i know it's so funny some people will be like my daughter one time was like or my kid one time was like um you always get the front row at the grocery store I'm like I always expect it's going to be there for me. I don't know. Yeah. And I, I've practiced expecting the best for a long time now. That's how it <laughs> just happens. I don't know. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's just, yeah. I guess that would be my core. I don't know. Yeah. It's not very um, deep. I'll tell you that. It's no, just, I mean, that's really, that's super deep. I mean, we could spend three hours on any one of these, um, but give us, like no one can see you right now, but just give us a, a, a give whoever's listening a a glimpse of where you are right now. Oh my goodness! Okay, <laughs> this is the icing on my summer cake. I have anticipated this. This is the last. I'm in Maine, Lubeck, Maine, L U B E C. It's right on the Canadian border. Actually, it's the easternmost campground you could be in in the U.S. So for me. This was the 50th state for me to see. I love seeing the U.S. And this was the fourth corner of the continental U.S. most extremes to be at. And 
I'm sitting where, if you've not heard of the Bay of Fundy, I am sitting where the Atlantic feeds the Bay of Fundy. And what's so remarkable about the Bay is that there are places where this tide recedes 40 feet. It's not like Santa Cruz where we're from, where the tide goes out and comes in and it's a few feet out and you can see some good tide pools. You're talking three, 400 feet. I mean, you're talking, wow. sometimes it's, I estimate it's three football fields long because I, I don't know yeah. my distance as well. So I just estimate that way. Um, and so there's that. I haven't seen one yet, but I'm looking for puffins. Um, <laughs> Very cool. It's, it's gorgeous. It's a bay. It's north. It's small. They lobster here, scallop here. And like I said, this was the icing. We wintered in Florida. We left Santa Cruz July 10th of 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we wintered in Florida. And then we worked our way north through back through the Carolinas, Virginia, Cape, Austin, New York City. Oh my gosh, we took this 40 foot motorhome. I saw those so, pictures. I was like, oh my God, how are they doing this? He drove through that. Can you believe? <laughs> my amazing. commitment is okay, and here's my big fear. What is my next big accomplishment? I'm learning to drive this beast in Texas this, um, on our way west in November. Mm-hmm. So if anybody wants to hold me to that, I've just committed publicly that that's what I'm learning to do. Okay. But it's 40 foot long. It's uh, big. It's a big diesel pusher, 450 horsepower. And we tow our Toyota 4Runner behind it. So mm, it's okay, cool. another add another 16, 20 feet yeah. by towing and all that. It's, I don't know, 40,000 pounds or something. It's a lot. And uh, so we travel and we experience, and Tim had never experienced the East Coast. So he'd not, we'd both been to DC a number of times, but we didn't see some of the obscure museums. So we did all the museums we hadn't seen. Neither one of us had been in New York City proper. So we drove the motorhome into New Jersey or Jersey City and stayed right on the subway line and the ferries at the ferries to Ellis Island and Mm -hmm. the Statue of Liberty Island. And then we did Times Square and all that. I am not a city person, I can tell you. My (laughs) blood pressure goes up, Uh, I'm a nervous wreck, I'm watching my six (laughs) all the time, you know, just crazy stuff. So I was super excited to get to Maine. And so this is, I mean, when we got to Cape Cod, gorgeous, don't get me wrong, Mm -hmm. loved Massachusetts, loved Maine. We got to Moody Beach with the South Main, and it's still a little Santa Cruzy, not in the way that is a bad thing, but tourists, a lot of people uh, yeah. just enjoying Crowded. the beaches yeah. and the, you know, the quaintness of the towns. And mm-hmm. I am a minimalist. Mm-hmm. I actually have room in my motorhome to stuff more stuff. I keep eliminating like, oh, we haven't used this. We don't need to take up space with this. So. We are the northeastmost part of Maine, and I'm so happy and so excited and, you know, just at peace and joyful. And yeah. my feet right now are in the grass, and I'm looking over my shoulder at the bay. Yeah, the, the sky just looks incredible, and the, uh, the scenery there looks amazing, the green. Um, and then we, yeah, we find hikes. I mean, yeah. I just use all trails. If you haven't used all trails, 
all trails is the way to go. We find some incredible hikes and that's what we do. Yeah. And you've been traveling for how long now? How long have you had the RV? A couple of years, right? All right. So we moved into the RV in June of 2020. So our Mm -hmm. career took us to, let's see, we started in Santa Cruz. Then we went to Greeley, Colorado, which is just an hour north of Denver. Mm -hmm. And then it took us to Olympia, Washington, which is about an hour south of Seattle. And then it took us to Bloomington, Illinois. (laughs) <laughs> and that is in the middle of cornfields and soybean yeah. fields, two hours south of Chicago, um, mm-hmm. two and a half okay. hours north of St. Louis. To Got give it. anybody proximity, about an hour west of Indiana, Indianapolis, Indiana. And we had a house there and we'd gotten pretty decent at moving. So we buy houses that sell fast. Well, yeah. we thought we would put it on. We wanted to put it on in June. The realtor said, no, you got to do it in May because that's the big whatever. We're like, okay. And we thought it would take months, right, to sell. No, sold in the first weekend and they needed us out in four weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Tim's 60-year-old mouth, my 50-year-old something mouth said, oh, sure. Our bodies are like, what the fuck did you just do to us? (laughs) We had 3,600 square feet and we're moving in. We're like went and looked for apartments because we weren't going to retire till January of 21. Uh-huh. So we were thinking, oh, it'll take a while to sell, then it'll be escrowed. Yeah. And mm-hmm. No. So we went and looked for apartments and we're like, the apartments are crazy to rent. Well, we always dreamed about RVing full-time when we retired. Let's just move into an RV. So we went and bought one. We wow. traveled for an entire weekend. We went to Michigan and Indiana and Ohio and Iowa looking for motorhomes. And we finally found one and we bought it. So, so how much what, got, of, how much of a, that dream of having an RV, how much was that, uh, how often was that dream visited in conversation? Was that something that would come up a lot or yeah, is it just, yeah. Periodically. Okay. We yeah. both knew we've been married yeah. 40 years this fo- February. Congratulations. And That's incredible. Thanks. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, we just knew. We yeah. Even, okay. So one of our very favorite trips, probably within our first two years of being married, was yeah. we had a cab over camper on a pickup and we wanted to go to vacation. Mm. And we followed this practice ever since then. Not to that degree now, but we got in the car and we didn't know where we wanted to go. So we flipped a coin when we would get to an interstate get to 80 flip a coin really? east or west you get to i-25 north or south flip a coin wow and that's how we ended up seeing some of the best places again you know you're leaving it up to chance and back then getting a camping spot wasn't so hard as it yeah. is now mm-hmm. everybody's RVing because yeah. of covid but um so we loved that and then our kid she um they loved She's non-binary. Mm-hmm. Kate is non-binary. So you can hear me struggle with the pronouns. And I've worked so hard at this and I'm not perfect by any yeah. means. And hope, It's a journey for sure. If Kate listens to this. <laughs> She's trying, Kate. There's forgiveness. Yeah. I'm trying. Anyway, um, even with, with Kate, we did road trips all over. She's been everywhere, west of the Mississippi, I think, and parts of the South. She did Alaska. Um, I don't think, no, she didn't do Hawaii with us. 
but anyway, road trips have always been a big deal. No big okay. deal. We love it. Yeah. We just travel. We knew we wanted to do this. His dad, Tim's dad was a motorhomer. His brother's into motorhomes. And so for us, it was just, okay, let's do yeah. it. We were planning on it. Let's do it. So we moved in. So we, pro- we, everything we kept is in a 10 by 20 storage. And then what goes in the RV? That's it. Wow. Yeah. Just don't need much. Yeah. You mentioned you were, um, enjoy living through uh, minimalism and you are a minimalist and the whole story of the RV, I find really fascinating because it really feel when I look at your website, when I look at your Instagram, it feels like you've really simplified and subtracted a lot of the stuff that you could, anyone could have in their life. And most people have a lot of stuff, but you, you've subtracted a lot of stuff to live a few core values or live in a way that you really want to be living. Um, and I love this part about just flipping the coin. It, mm-hmm. it, it's yeah. the best. Yeah. I mean, it just, let's see where we end up. And it feels like that's such a theme in your life. Well, let's just, let's just say yes to this thing mm-hmm. and see where I end up. Well, I had a surgery. I'm going to keep training. I'm just going to keep going and see where I end up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like that's really alive with how you're living right now with the RV. And yeah, just um, curious about what else you're learning from just being on the road, being on the adventure, being on this adventure right now. Oh, gosh. Well, here's one thing that's universal. And I experienced this RVing and I experienced it when we traveled to Russia um, and even to some degree, we went and visited my sister when um, she was living in Japan. And I'm trying to think where else we've been. Um, Spain, a few other places that we've traveled. People are people. And that is what makes this such an exciting life. And people get up in the morning wanting to do good. They don't wake up and say, geez, can I be the shittiest human being possible today? They don't. But we label and we make assumptions about people or populations of people based on maybe what their government does Mm -hmm. or other things. And it's not truth. People are inherently good, inherently interesting. I love their stories. Like the other day we met this person and sadly we meet some great people when we pull in and they're just leaving. They're like, Mm. oh, we have to leave in the morning. I could not stop smiling. The 72 or three-year-old woman, she was a cheerleader when she was young and she's just Mm -hmm. a socialist person and she wishes her husband would talk more, but my gosh, he's not going to. And I couldn't stop smiling for like 12 hours every time I thought of her because she was absolutely infectious. And that's what people genuinely are. I mean, there are your crabs. It's like, you know what, I'll just give you a smile and maybe you'll feel better. Maybe you won't. And I'm sorry, life is really gnarly and maybe you're in a bad spot. But that has been one of the best parts of RVing. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't eat out except once a week, like I said. And the commitment when we do is we're going to try something that's from the region and what somebody tells us to try. Yeah. You you have to have X. I think I ate... What did we, uh, I don't know. We've eaten some weird stuff that is actually pretty tasty. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so, you know, I mean, okay, so you take a bite and you don't like it, swallow and move on. Yeah, you don't have to eat it again. No. I always, I always try to give myself more than once, though. Is there the, uh, Sometimes you're right. Yes. Yeah, there's the, That's, for me, that at was least, true. There, there's the initial, yes. like, getting over if it's a weird thing it's like there's the initial getting over the thing and then it's like okay i did that where i'm not actually tasting it i'm actually just dealing with like all the shit that's going on in my head <laughs> like so yes yeah. what part of the animal is this uh -huh. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah some of the weird stuff i'm like well i always wherever we end up i'm like what are you best known for uh -huh. and just give me that yeah and that's what i have so but don't tell me everything about it until yes. it's over. <laughs> it's a good rule of thumb, I think. <laughs> don't tell me everything about it. Yeah. So, so, so but it's an adventure. Yeah. How do you think the adventure is changing you? Yeah. Here's one thing I notice. I wear the same things every week. <laughs> and I packed three dresses I still haven't worn. <laughs> because I'm not in an environment to wear them. Um, uh, I don't need stuff. I need adventure and memories. Mm -hmm. And I need to exhaust myself. I sleep so good every night because I'm exhausted. We hike, we climb, we visit with people. And so I told you that I... I'm a data analyst. Mm -hmm. Theoretically, I am an introvert. I guess um, on if you're into Myers Briggs, INTJ, mm -hmm. um, and that's how I recharge is alone time. Yep. But I, I always interacted with the people that I worked with, and I enjoyed them. But I especially enjoyed one-on-one -on -one time with a few close people. Yeah, this trip. It was the funniest thing. There's a moment, and I can tell you, where I transitioned and I said, personality is not forever. I don't have to be an introvert anymore. And I'm going to choose to, it's just not permanent. I'm going to choose to step out of my shell. Mm -hmm. And this super expensive RV pulled in next to us. <laughs> and they were putting their stuff out we'd been backpacking that day hiking somewhere and our packs i needed to you know get the water bladders out of them or whatever we're still in the car and she steps out and oh my gosh she's got pink hair and i'm thinking oh my gosh this is a rock star somebody super expensive motorhome oh and their tow vehicle is a Mercedes van so that they can keep their toys in it. Oh my he's gosh. A, yeah. <clears throat> he's a surfer, a kite surfer, and um, mountain bike enthusiast. But anyway, I know that now because I said, personality isn't permanent. I don't have to be an introvert. I'm going to go get the backpacks because I got to change the water. And I'm going to say hi. Mm -hmm. We met some amazing people. She's not a rock star. She just likes to change her hair. They were from Santa Cruz. Oh my gosh. How amazing. They lived is that? up the yeah. road from us and we knew all the same people. Wow. And from that experience on, she likes peanut butter whiskey. I like whiskey. I don't like sweet stuff. I mean, I yeah. love sweets like Oreos and stuff, but 
drink wise is black coffee, whiskey, yeah. bourbon. Um, but I mean, just stepping out that very moment and having, again, here you step out, you take a risk, yeah. you have a win, you build some confidence and you do it over and over. That's how this has changed me. Mm-hmm. I, um, the weightlifting and the, all the strength that I got from that and the confidence, I can climb some serious ass freaking mountains. I bet. And yeah. we scurried up one that was, I don't know, a thousand foot elevation change in less than a mile. And we were like billy goats climbing that thing. <laughs> and the confidence to do that when rocks are slipping and stuff around you, that's what this adventure has done for us is it's, it's freeing. Yeah. Yeah. You're, that's amazing. <laughs> You're out there living life right on the edge. And I love this part about, um, I mean, it seems like you've done this, you know, even from pre lifting to becoming a champion, you just changed your identity. It's like, I'm not going to be that anymore. I'm going to be this. And the same thing here. It's like your personality of being an introvert is, yeah, you're right. These things are not set in stone. We, ha- we do have the ability and we can choose who we want to be in each moment. And for you to be able to show up and say, that's not who I'm going to be right now. They look really interesting. I'm going to follow my curiosity, just say hi. And for what, what emerged out of that, <laughs> like these people that you could have crossed paths hundreds of times, but right there in that moment was the time for you guys to meet. That's, that's really beautiful. Yeah. Really beautiful. I think my adventure in saying yes yeah. happened in my career before uh-huh. um, lifting ever started. Mm-hmm. There was one time in my career I was doing super good. We were living in Greeley. I got asked to participate in a project that was in a whole different department. I said, yes. And then an opportunity happened and I had connected with the people in that department. That was a demotion. And I was like, well, they're not going to take money away. It's just a title. Who gives Uh a shit about a title? And I took it and I fell in love. Well then did well and then got sent to Washington state. Mm -hmm. Well, I was kind of going up the rungs, but, you know, the thing I think that I failed myself in, in the sense of moving up a corporate ladder was that I never paid attention to what parts of what I was doing that I really, really liked. Again, Mm -hmm. it goes back to tracking. Mm -hmm. So I was in mid-level leadership and it was okay, but I mean, an introvert. I have to go to Christmas parties. I am sweating out my suit. The pits of them would change colors. I mean, I couldn't put my arms up, right? And my palms were sweaty and I was uncomfortable. And not because I didn't like the people. I liked the people, but it was overwhelming. And so I took a chance to start recording what I loved and what I hated. Um, So I had read a book and... I took some red um, index cards. Uh Every time I did something that I procrastinated on or I hated, I wrote it down on a red card. Anytime I did something that I loved, I got lost in it and would just, it was no hesitation to do. I wrote it on a green card. 
So then what I did was after about two or three months, I sorted them into piles and guess what? There's groupings. Mm -hmm. So I had these groupings of green cards and here's what I promised myself. When I interview from this point forward, I'm going to take examples for these questions that are competency-based only from my green cards. Because what I had done to get from then from the Colorado office there was I'd gotten asked a lot of questions. What I realized now was I put lipsticks on red card pigs. I was incredibly successful because of my work ethic and determination to make things that I didn't necessarily enjoy work out okay. Mm -hmm. And I got brought there to do a specific job that wasn't my favorite part of the work. And after five years, I was doing almost everything in my red cards. So at that point, oh wow, yeah, I said to have engagement in this career, because I worked with State Farm product more than 30 years. Uh-huh. I worked for the company, I don't know, close to 30, but I worked for Tim's dad, who was a State Farm agent before that, like mm-hmm. seven, eight years, something like that. So I had a long career in insurance, but um, I felt like Kate was going to be a senior and I was missing out and often evenings I wanted to kick the dog. Right. I just, I was yeah. not, it's a, always a good indication. pleasant to be around. Yeah. Always a good indication. Something's off when you want to kick the dog. Yeah. And you didn't, <laughs> and I didn't really want to, I was not having fun anymore. I didn't yeah. enjoy it. So I actually said, what are my green cards? And I initiated, well, let me take that back. Hillary, my neighbor said, um, do me a favor, Lynette. I'm like, yeah. She goes, well, Michelle Obama did this. I'm like, okay, whatever. She says, I want you to write your perfect job. Cause we would go for hikes and she, we would talk. And I said, okay, you're crazy, but whatever. So January, I don't even remember what year I wrote down my perfect job. Well, in my current position, jobs they were looking for people for different jobs. I swear, and I'm not exaggerating this, in October of that year, the job I had written in January came across my desk and I recognized it because I wrote it. Yeah. And I, it was a huge demotion. I mean, I was no longer going to be in leadership. All I was going to be as a data analyst, not only, but that's what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I took it. And we thought, and Tim, Tim has lived helped us live within our means, Mm -hmm. our whole marriage. So we didn't have so much debt or anything like that, that I couldn't accept a lower paying job. And he said, if this makes you happy, do it. And Mm -hmm. I wanted more time with my kiddo. And I Mm -hmm. wanted to not want to kick the dog all the time. Yeah. And I did it. And they said, at that point, my sense was they've invested so much into me as a leader that they'll never promote me again. I mean, I won't be, and I didn't need promotion, but they'll mm-hmm. never move me. And we love Seattle. We'll be okay here, right? Yeah. Lo and behold, when you do something like that and you work exclusively in your strengths and what you're good at and what you're passionate about, guess what happens? You freaking win yeah. all the time. <laughs> and I ended up getting picked up and asked to come to and promised myself, and I did it in this time, I would interview with my greens. Those are my examples. And I got taken to Bloomington and that's where we served our last eight, 10 years, something like that. And excelled. Yeah. 
So fast forward to weightlifting. Is it something you enjoy doing? And if you'll enjoy doing it over and over, and this is where Zach, my coach, recognized she likes picking up heavy shit. The more I put on that bar, the happier she is. And he got into that wheelhouse. You know, and that's what propels me forward is, okay, if you feel like you like it and it's not work and it's play, it'll work out. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I'm sorry. That was a long way to get how. No. I mean, I don't know. I love it. It's so beautiful. Yeah. I mean, all the stuff you're talking about. Thanks for sharing that process you went through. I think that's really a lot of people could be served by that. You know, it doesn't have to be something so large as career, but even the people you're hanging out with or how you hang out with the people you love hanging out with. That comes back to like the thing that I always try and focus on for myself. I always want to be doing the thing I would love to be doing, but I take it further and say, and I want to do it in a way that I would love to do it. And you're exactly right. When you follow that path, when you stay connected to that, you can't help but win because love is at the center of it. And it's good. It's, it's, an infinite energy that will help propel you over and over and over again. You just get lost in it. It feels good to do It's, it's amazing. So it's not without its challenges. No, not at all. You still have challenges, but yeah. Oh, well, we have challenges. That's that's life. (laughs) But if you're doing something that you hate, you're already facing that challenge and you have more challenges within it. And it takes twice as long to do it. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine me in jazzercise school or Zumba? Oh my God. I'd hate every day of it. I'd never do it. <laughs> if you really wanted to do it, I could see you being uh, incredible at it, but it's not. Oh, uh, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> it's, not, it's not who you are, how you, you want to be in the world right now. So, yeah. No, but it's about being intentional and keeping yeah. track of stuff like we've yeah. talked about. I think, I think the big win for me is keeping track and being intentional yeah and having a vision of what i want yeah yeah i don't have a specific i never dreamed of being a weightlifter like i can lift i never dreamed of it what i dreamed Mm -hmm. of is could i be consistent and not make an excuse and what would happen if Mm. it's funny yeah it's so it's like just by paying attention to that that leads to really remarkable things happening mm-hmm. and, and like the opposite way of looking at thing. I don't know. There's just something in that. I, I can't quite, quite get thoughts around that, but it seems like just engage with the process, make sure the process is as refined as you can mm-hmm. make it, get rid of the things that detract from, from the, the unbeneficial things the bad habits that will get in the way of the beneficial habits you're putting in place and focus on that. Love it. Put all your heart into it. Show up to it. Say yes. Stop making excuses. And, and that's where greatness starts to happen. I don't know if I'd call it great, but yeah. life is certainly there. Yeah. You know, I guess great is relative. I think that yeah. there's superstars out there that would say I haven't accomplished much. And yeah. when I look at myself, say I haven't accomplished much other than I've begun to master me. Yeah. True to yourself. 
And I think that's what I'm talking about. Like your own, your own internal sense of greatness, who you want to be in the world, how you want to express yourself in the world, how you decide how you want to be, how you want to show up to awesome things, how you want to show up to challenges, how you want to show up to um, setbacks, all of these things. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's being true to yourself in those moments. That's what I, I see as true greatness. Mm -hmm. All the other stuff. Confidence. Yeah. 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 Confidence comes from it. And now when you look at something, you're like, well, I beat that. I can do this. Yeah. It, It grows. It compounds it's 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 i don't know it's uncanny and it's unreal and it's an amazing experience (laughs) i want to pull up to my grave and just fall in dead (laughs) Uh, just just exhausted fall in there yeah i get it i'm going to and i've Mm -hmm. already committed i'm living to at least 100 that's awesome yeah i'm sure you'll do it too i have no doubt sure it'll happen yeah well (laughs) but my real goal is die trying I'll die trying. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of women are like, why do you do this? I'm like, well, to be honest, I just want to get my own self off of the toilet and wipe my own ass every day. Small wins. Yeah. That's the ultimate goal. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that. That funny enough. um, I'm just cognizant of time. That feels like a good place to end. It's a funny little thing. Um, but thank you again so much for just sharing all the parts of you. You're, you're, you have so many facets. You're not just a weightlifter. I'm sure there's so much, so many other parts that I'm so curious about you. And there's so much still left to discover. I'm totally excited by the adventure you're on and how you live your life. It's just a sense of adventure and just seeing, trying to live at your best and just seeing what happens from there. So thanks again so much for being here and sharing your story with us. Um, Thank you, Alan. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us before we part ways? No, I don't think so. Okay. Just love um, without expecting because it's Yeah, it's beautiful. How can people follow you? Um, I know you have your website. Uh, well, I took like- the website down. Oh, did you? Okay. Get any, yeah, it doesn't get any traffic. And so oh. mm-hmm. I throw out my story on Tim and Lynn are traveling, which is on Instagram. Okay. And it's uh, Tim and Lynn are, because it's last name is Richie, R-I-T-C-H-I-E, mm-hmm. traveling um, without a G on the end, because I thought it was clever. Now I'm thinking <laughs> eh, it's just misspelling. Um, or Lynette Richie on Facebook. And I don't know whatever else will happen with it. I'm just, yeah. you know what? If, if it's interesting to you, great. I follow so many other people that I find interesting and inspiring mm-hmm. that I keep posting because I hope that another person who's dreaming about this lifestyle will be inspired to take the risk. Yeah. Well, yeah just the way you live your life is an inspiration to so many people, I believe. And you've certainly inspired me in many ways ever since I met you you long ago. So yeah. Thanks Lynette. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this conversation with Lynette Ritchie. I hope you've learned lots. If you'd like to follow Lynette on her journey, I've linked ways to connect with her in the show notes. 
And please consider taking a moment to support us at Touching Greatness by subscribing to the podcast. If you've already subscribed, thank you so much. You can also support the podcast by sharing an episode with a friend, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, or sending an email about what you appreciate and what you'd like more of on the podcast. I look forward to bringing you more of these conversations and being with you next time. As we part, I will leave you with the words from that beautiful soul, Anthony Bourdain. The journey is part of the experience, an expression of the seriousness of one's intent. One doesn't take the A train to Mecca.